What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? A hundred episodes, believe it or not, one zero zero. We have somehow, some way reached a hundred episodes for the Quarterly Report podcast, and I couldn't have done it without each and every one of you all. Thank you so much for rocking with me for another brand new episode of the Quarterly Report. It's a festive show this week, and it's going to be a family affair as my cousin, Sadiq Abdul, is making his monthly appearance on the show. So you know that means he will have the opportunity to let me know if I am crazy with some of my many sports takes. You guys will not want to miss that. Plus, my little princess will be stopping by, giving us a glimpse into the words of wisdom of one bill walton for halftime man it's a family affair and of course we've got some great topics for the show including i'm going to put my own theory to the test right we'll see how consistent i am with some of my principled stances meets one of my favorite players you guys will find out how consistent i am how much i believe in the words that i spew on this podcast each and every week all that and so much more on our 100th episode. Thanks again for listening. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. Oh, yeah. Y'all know how we getting down for the 100th episode, baby. We coming with the big guns. One of my favorite segments that we do on the show. Damn, homie. At high school, you was the man, homie. What the fuck? fuck happened to you magic johnson oh my god slim this was this was sad it was hilarious and it was so easy to see coming a mile away it was the biggest sports story really outside of the national championship maybe maybe even bigger when you really break it down because it was so surprising, it was so bizarre, and it was like, yo, is this the Twilight Zone? For those of you who do not know, this is the 100th episode of the Quarterly Report. I know we have a lot of brand new listeners, so I will break down this segment. This segment is called Sports Wingster, and it stems from a song that you guys heard, the music, you heard the beat as we started the quarter. I'm sure you all know it. It's called Wingster by 50 Cent. And it's one of the greatest lines that he's ever had when it was like, damn, homie, at high school, you were the man, homie. What the bleep happened to you? I love that line so much because no matter your background, no matter where you're from, no matter how old you are, no matter your race, your sex, whatever the case may be, religion, however, we all can identify with that. Somebody who was on when we was in school, when you were in school, maybe. Maybe you didn't go to school with them when you just watched and admired somebody. And you're like, dog, you used to be on. You used to have all the juice. What happened, bro? Freddie Adu was in the Sports Wankster Hall of Fame. Freddie Adu was sitting beside Dave Letterman when he was 14 years old. His ass was going to College Park. That's when I knew something was up with him. He went to, of all the schools in the D.C. metropolitan area for a young brother to go to. He went to Maryland? <laughs> Slim. I knew what time it was from the rip. Once I found out he was 16 years old going to College Park to chill, I was like, ah, right, he ain't going to make it, bro. 
He ain't built for it. He's just not. Lenny Cook, sports wankster. Carmelo Anthony, sports wankster. Bama's who just fell off. Now, it is important to distinguish Magic Johnson is never going to fall off. Magic Johnson is always going to be a legend in the NBA. He is an icon. He is the greatest Laker of all. He is the greatest player of the greatest franchise of all time. He may be sitting on a billion. A great entrepreneur. Dog, Magic Johnson has taught a generation of people, myself included, about HIV. I wasn't having sex education. They didn't teach. I learned more about HIV and AIDS through magic than I did at all my years of school up until like high school. And if you were in your 30s or older, like if you were in your 30s into your 40s, you probably can identify with me. You know, magic is just an amazing person, amazing basketball player. Dog, there are not enough superlatives to go around to talk about how amazing Magic Johnson is, plus his money is long. He's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He may even be more successful in business than he was in the game of basketball. So there's no hate. I can't, I'm not, I'm not coming at Magic the way I came at Ja Rule, for instance. I think he was the first sports wingster that we ever had on the show. Right? I'm not coming at him the way I came at Steve Francis. Magic Johnson deserves that level of respect, that level of adulation, that level of prestige, right? Boom. We got that out the way. Magic, your ass is nuts, bro. <laughs> I, I'm a Nick fan. This lets you know how crazy it is. I'm a Nick fan, and I'm watching the Lakers of all the organizations in the NBA. I'm not looking at the Suns. I'm not looking at the Timberwolves. I'm not looking at the Kings. Nah, I'm looking at the A1 golden franchise, the pinnacle, right? The organization that all teams model themselves after. I'm looking as a Knicks fan at the Lakers thinking, yo, they are tripping. This whole scenario, this whole situation is nuts. And I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. Magic has an impromptu press conference before the final game of the season. And the Bama just comes out like, dog, I'm not doing this anymore. And then the Bama goes on to say, Jeannie doesn't even know I'm here. My boss doesn't even know. You are magic. What you scared of? Why are you scared? Bro, I don't get it. He's talking about, man, I was going to cry in front of Jeannie. Dog, Jeannie can't have more juice than you. You magic. How's she going to shake you? I don't understand it. He's talking about, dog, he wanted to tweet. <laughs> magic, you 60 years old, man. If you want to get in contact with Russell Westbrook, you can do it without tweeting him. I'm sure of it. I don't know you. I don't know Russ. But I am positive that if Magic Johnson wants to contact Russell Westbrook, he can do it privately. Dog, what is going on? He was talking about how he didn't want to fire Luke Walton. 
Magic Johnson may be sitting on a billion. He is one of the most successful businessmen this country has ever seen. You gonna tell me that Magic never fired somebody? And then the reports came out that he effed up Luke Walton, told him to shut the F up. But we gotta but we feel like you got a problem firing him. And this is not all directed toward Magic. The whole Lakers organization seems crazy right now. Jeannie Buss, God bless her, right? She clearly has a lot of people fond of her in the media. At what point do we look at her and be like, yo, you may be in over your head as well. She had a brother and everybody was like, yo, it's the brother. He doesn't know what he's doing. She hung him out to dry. Bong. He didn't know. He was the bad apple. And maybe he was. But what has Jeannie done with her time running the Lakers that lets anyone feel like she is competent at what she's doing? Let's keep it funky. I'm not going to take my sights off of Magic. We got a lot of laughs to get off of Magic. That Batman was like, we, we all seen the meme now, right? Where he's nodding his head like, I'm not going to be here anymore. You Magic Johnson, why are you scared? You had an impromptu press conference because you didn't want to tell your boss that you didn't want to do the job anymore. A job, a job that everybody, everybody who was paying attention, everybody who was being honest knew he was incapable of doing well. There's so many people who love Ma dog. I love Magic Johnson. You can I don't know you if you can love the NBA and not love Magic Johnson. It's cool, man. He's not your daddy. You can say you could be a fan of Magic Johnson, the person, the philanthropist, the basketball player, and still be like hiring him to run your basketball operations was beyond dumb. I said that very thing on this show. The moment it happened, I was like, they should have never done it. There's nothing in Magic Johnson's background to suggest that he will be able to run your basketball operations. And hello. Look what he did. Traded D'Angelo Russell. Boom. Drafted Lonzo Ball over De'Aaron Fox. Over Jason Tatum. Boom. Renounced the rights of Julius Randle. Boom. Waved Thomas Bryant. I'm in D.C. Thomas Bryant. These are the type of players that you would love to find. Cheap guys who clearly overperform. He's going to overperform the next two years of whatever contract he gets because he's a legit player and he's young who gets better at every single moment. Every time you allow him to play on the floor, he gets better. Magic didn't need him. Huh? Trade Zuba in a salary dump. Huh? All of these things happened under Magic's watch. Magic was the guy who did this. And Babas was, people were legit trying to defend Magic when he got this job. I'm a fan of Dan Lebertard's show. If you listen to this show since the beginning, you know this. And you know exactly where I'm going with this. People were calling Dan Lebertard a racist because he said, what has Magic done to deserve this job? How is that racist? And the crazy thing is, just two years later, 
Darren Lebertard, he's not even coming hard at the people who were calling him that because Magic, he runs the media with the nine fence. He's charming. I get it. He's one of the greatest players ever. I get it. He's an amazing philanthropist. I get it. That doesn't mean that he can't. he's above being critiqued. Bro, man, get out of my face with that, Joe. Magic Johnson decided to run the Lakers. Not the, you know, not the Washington go-go. Not the, you know, the Westchester, Westchester Knicks, right? Or the Iowa Force or whatever, G League team. He, he went from 0 to 100, and he got that off the strength of his name. Boom. But don't act surprised like this went straight to the toilet bowl so quickly. You can't be surprised. Don't defend the brother for getting the job saying that he's magic. He could earn it and then try to excuse the fact that he was an object failure. I love magic. I do. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to call a spade a spade. Dog, he sucked. <laughs> let's, let's keep it funky. And the, the, prop, the crazy thing is about the Lakers, I've got no confidence that Jeannie Buss knows how to dig herself out of this. There's a report that came out immediately following this, the very next day from Ramona Shelburne, that suggests that Rob Palenka is going to keep his position as general manager, and he's probably going to become more empowered. How is that possible? What is what has Rob Palenka done? Like, if you think Magic, as I did, didn't deserve his job, then you damn sure don't feel like Rob Palenka deserved his. He was an agent. And yeah, I know Bob Myers. Nah. Rob Palenka ain't Bob Myers, bro. What are the Lakers doing? The lost Angeles Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers. We are talking about the gold standard. What are they doing? I've never felt more proud to be a Knicks fan in the last X amount of years than I have the last few days. Because at least with my team, I know there's a vision. I don't know if we are going to execute said vision. In fact, I'm quite doubtful. But at least there has been a plan. The Lakers just seem to be reaching all over the place and reaching so, so rapidly and at such a, a feverish pitch that they just end up slapping each other in the face. I watched that Jay the day he had his press conference and I felt two things. I felt laughter and I felt shame. I was embarrassed for Magic. how that look? I'm embarrassed for a wealthy billionaire, one of the greatest most beloved Americans in recent history. I felt bad for him because it was clear magic was in and over his head, but I knew it from the rip. I knew it from Jump Street. If you were the peop one of the people who defended magic initially, y'all got to let me know. Hit me up, please. Hit me up. Quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E report at gmail.com. Tweet at me. At quarterly show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E show. I got to hear from y'all. And don't do that fluke stuff, man, with Bama's. We're really riding hard for Magic. And then just a few years later, y'all try to hide your hands. You know, you, you hold your head down, want to pretend like you didn't say it. Y'all Bama's are out there. Y'all Bama's are here. Speak up. I got to know. 
I wanna know, I wanna know. Y'all know what time it is. Cause this makes no sense. It never made sense. And the the way it appears that the Lakers are going to try to move past this, move through this, makes even less sense. I don't know what up is what, what up is up or down is down. I don't know anymore. If the Lakers are not going to, if, if the Knicks are going to make the Lakers look like a well-run organization, slam all bets are off. Kiss the babies goodbye. Because the end has to be coming soon. The Los Angeles Lakers and Magic Johnson have made fools of themselves. And there is no, the and the savior apparently appears to be Rob Palenka. <laughs> Damn, homie, what the happened to you? All right, y'all, that's the first quarter, man. We off and running on this show. It's the 100th episode, baby. And we started with Magic Johnson. Again, no disrespect. Magic is an icon, dog. He's not Lenny Cook. He's not Freddie Adu. But damn it, he's the sports wankster of the week. Second quarter is right around the corner. And it's a time where I have to face facts, man. How consistent can I be with one of my own theories? We're going to find out with our second topic this week. Second quarter. For 100 shows now, I have been beating the drum loudly as it pertains to the NFL and how so many NFL teams continue to be their own worst enemies, right? Revolving or in regards to the quarterback positions. And you're seeing it again now during the NFL draft. You know, the last time my cousin was on, I was talking about how I don't believe Kyler Murray should be an, a top pick. And he said that, I was saying that Kyler Murray shouldn't be a first-round pick, period. And my cousin was like, nah, he should be a first-round pick, but he shouldn't be a top, you know, if the NFL had a lottery system, if you will, right? He shouldn't be one of the, the top picks. Kyler Murray's going to be the number one pick in the draft now. <laughs> it's a, pretty much a foregone conclusion. And this just speaks to how teams can't help themselves when it comes to drafting or identifying quarterbacks. I'm in D.C., Washington. They traded for Alex Smith. That was fine. Then they gave Alex Smith a crazy contract. Nuts. They gave Alex Smith a crazy contract because they didn't want to sign Kirk Cousins to a crazy contract. So guess who did? Minnesota. Nuts. Matthew Stafford in Detroit. Matt Ryan in Atlanta. The list goes on and on and on. Mitch Trubisky. Imagine what the Bears could have done had they not drafted Mitch Trubisky when they did. Mitch Trubisky's a fine quarterback. He's not a first-round level talent. Get out of here. And now they're stuck with him. They got all the pieces all the way. Well, maybe not the kicker, right? But everywhere else, that team is stocked, loaded. But because they drafted him in the first round, high in the first, he's the weak link. Look at the Raiders. Carr making big time bread. The Giants, can't, it's clear to everybody who's ever watched football, Eli Manning is done. The Giants just can't divorce themselves from him. Because the NFL goes crazy when it comes to quarterbacks. They trade resources to move up, to, to reach on a quarterback in the draft. And then when you have a quarterback who is worth the damn, what happens? 
you break the bank to keep them. And I've always said time and time again, especially on this show, if NFL teams treated the quarterback position the way they treat the running back position, you would see just a transformative approach. Whichever team first does this and identifies that there is some type of discrepancy when it comes to the marketplace of quarterbacks, the first team who does it, they're going to be so far ahead of the curve because you can build everything around, build everything else. In the moment a quarterback falls to you or you have correctly identified a legit great one, then you jump. But so many teams try to find and reach and they try to find the next Tom Brady. Even though Tom Brady is a one-on-one. In fact, he's probably more rare than that because not only is he the greatest quarterback of all time, he's married to a supermodel so he can take less money so the team can continue to build around him. While everybody else is trying to find the next Tom Brady, but they're trading resources to move up in the draft to get him. And then when they find anybody who's good, they spend almost their entire salary cap to pay him. Tom Brady has been below, being paid below market value for over a decade. You're not going to find the next Tom Brady. Not doing it this way. So this has long since been my position. In the running back, the way we treat running backs, you draft them young, you use them up, then before they have to get paid, you find the replacement, and then that last year, you you use them up again, and then you move on out. You don't pay running backs big-time money unless you have a sensational generational talent. and Tomlinson, Marshall Falk, Adrian Peterson in his prime. Like, the greats of the greats. Those are the guys who get money. They're few and far between. I don't, I don't even, Le'Veon Bell is amazing. I don't know if I would go that route. We'll see with the Jets, but I think it's far more likely that the Jets have buyer's remorse in a year or two. And that's not me hating on Le'Veon. I think Le'Veon is an amazing player. But let's, let's be honest. Imagine if NFL teams did that with quarterbacks. They're literally only like five good ones, consistently good ones. So imagine if we use that same discipline, that same principle. Get a quarterback. And if they're good and they're young, you can build, you already have a team built for them, right? Because you use all your picks on building a, a foundation the proper way. And then when it's time to pay them, like, all right, man, we'll move on. Unless you get a Tom Brady. Unless you get an Aaron Rodgers. Oh, by the way, look what's going on in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is getting all the money in his supporting cast. You know, they're becoming less and less productive because you can't pay the great guys. So that's how I feel. But we're going to put it to the test, man, because my favorite NFL player, I'm from Richmond, Virginia, Southside, Richmond, Virginia, 804. What's happening? Virginia Cavaliers, National College Basketball Champions. What's happening? What is happening? Real Virginia, not Northern Virginia. And I know Charlottesville and close to Richmond, but they part of a real Virginia. So no disrespect to people from Arlington, Alexandria, Crystal City and all that stuff. Y'all all right. 
But I ain't talking to y'all right now. Okay? I'm talking about the real Virginia. In my home city, Richmond. We don't have many elite level athletes. But we got Russell Wilson. And that's my man. Got nothing but love for Russ. He corny, but it's cool. Whatever. He carry his corny. He corny, he got Sierra. All right? So I'm rocking with Russ off the strength that he's from my hometown. But damn it, the Seattle Seahawks are trying to take my approach, but they're trying to do it with my favorite player. Man, I'm feeling some type of way. I'm feeling some type of way because not only is Russ from Richmond, but let's be honest, he's a black quarterback, and in the history of black quarterbacks, man, is not a great one in the NFL. So I feel some type of way because on principle, Seattle's right. Russell Wilson, despite being one of the best quarterbacks in the league and has been so for basically his entire career, I think Russ is a top five, top six quarterback. Absolutely do. Russell Wilson has never had a losing record. He's been to the playoffs every year with the exception of one year. He is the... They have completely redone, remade that team. It was the Legion of Boom. Those guys are gone. They still won, what, 10, 11 wins last season. Off the strength. No Marshawn Lynch anymore. Off the strength of Russ. But he's the guy that they want to, the first. It's always like that, right? Every other team wants to, to coddle and love their quarterback. And although the Seahawks are right, man, I feel some type of way that it has to be Russ. Because my principal beliefs don't waver. I would not pay Russell Wilson however much money to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. I wouldn't. That's not a knock on Russ. I th again, I think he's one of the best. He's the face of the franchise. He's the glamour position. And he's He's the foundation to what they have. He and Bobby Wagner. But no NFL player, or I shouldn't say no, very few NFL players are worth that much money. He wants to be the highest paid player. And again, look at Aaron Rodgers. I think we all would agree Aaron Rodgers is better than Russell Wilson. But Aaron Rodgers making that money has not made the Packers better. Because we continue to make the quarterback position mean more than what it really is. It's just one of 11 on the field. Yes, they touch the ball every play, and that's all fine and good. But you can find value in cap and salary cap leagues. The wins are in the margins, and that means you have to find the value. And Russell Wilson is not 15, 20 to $25 million better than some guy that you can draft. Hell, Russell Wilson proved that. When he came into the league with Flynn, they drafted Russ in, what, the third round? He roughed the job and hasn't looked back since. They paid him big money the last few years on the second contract, and now he wants more. And I get why he wants more, because that's how this league is built. The quarterbacks, whoever is up next, they get the money. Always, always, always happens. So, yeah, I feel a way that Russ has to be the guy whose team wants to buck the trend. And I'm not confident or comfortable in that because I'm not sure it's just a matter of Seattle sticking to the principal beliefs that I have. 
I'm not certain that's just the reason. And I hate that it has to be Russell. But again, I'm a man of principles. I truly believe that quarterbacks are not that much more valuable than every other player in the league and that teams will shoot themselves in the foot by spending so much of their resources to one player. And even though Russell Wilson is from my city, even though Russell Wilson is my favorite player in the league, even though I hate that it has to be Russ to be the guy to be exhibit A on this experiment, I think it's the right thing to do. We'll see if Seattle sticks to their guns. We'll see if Seattle has what it takes to not bluff, not play chicken. Because I think it's right. And at some point, one team will do it. One team will make the decision that I think is the correct one and say, no, we're not going to pay our quarterback that much money. I don't care who it is. I'm just worried that the team who does it, even if it's not Seattle, it'll be Carolina, it'll be Baltimore, it'll be Kansas City. And you know exactly what I mean when I say that. Because it wasn't Detroit. Everybody could have told you that Matthew Stafford wasn't, that mu- wasn't worth that money. It wasn't Minnesota. Everybody knew Kirk Cousins wasn't worth that money. It wasn't Atlanta. It wasn't this team, that team, so on and so on. Go down the list. Russell Wilson is one of the best players in this league. Russell Wilson has won a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson, despite the Seahawks blowing up the Legion of Boom, has been down from day one, stayed true, and continues to win. But it may be him. And though I hate it may be him, I can't act like it's not the right call. Y'all let me know if you think it's the right call. Hit me up on Twitter at Quarterly Show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show, or email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. Let me know, do you think the Seahawks would be crazy for moving on from Russell Wilson? I kind of think they do, but I think it's the right move. It's nuts. I'm kind of straddling the fence. Damn it, allow me to hide this, Joe. We from Rich, I'm from Richmond. We don't have that much. Let me have Russ, baby. Come on, Slim. All right, guys, you have heard the horn. That means we are at halftime. Halftime this week features my beautiful princess, the woman who will one day be queen, my schnookums. And you know when my little girl's on this show, she's going to read from one of the greatest basketball minds that we have ever had on this world. The one, the only, Bill Walton. It's a segment that I call Bill Walton's Words of Wisdom. Check it out. It's time now for Bill Walton's Words of Wisdom. I'm from San Diego. If the pilgrims have landed there, things will be a lot different. One time! Samaki Walker enters the game, so this is what it comes to. Yikes. Hey, I'm for anything that keeps Charlie Ward out of the game. Showdown! And that was... Bill Walton's Words of Wisdom. It's so funny, man. I don't know if you guys really believe me when I say this, but... The only college basketball that I watch, with the exception of, like, the NCAA tournament, are, like, Pac-12 hoops. And the only reason I watch it is because of Dave Pash and, obviously, Bill Walton. Bill Walton is a national treasure. And if you've listened to this show from the start, 
number one, thank you so much for doing so. But you know, like that, the Bill Walton halftime has been something consistent from the beginning. And, you know, sharing that with my daughter, she likes Bill Walton now. And she has like no clue just how deep the absurdity with that man goes, man. But Bill Walton enhances everything. Like I'm, I'm at the point now where I'd want Bill Walton to be a part of damn near all of my televised events. I don't watch much television, right? But imagine having Bill Walton part of your nightly news for one segment. Doug, man, I'd become a Nielsen, you know, household subscriber just so I can let those whomever did that know how much I appreciate it. Bill Walton, man, dog. <laughs> Bill Walton, he had a TV show on MTV way back when. Anything that Bill Walton is a part of, sign me up. All right, guys, that's halftime on our 100th episode, but that means we still have two quarters left. And this week, it's the return of my cousin, Sadiq Abdul. And you know when Deek is here, he gets the opportunity to let me know if I'm crazy or not. So let's get it cracking with our third quarter this week. Third quarter. He is a promoter and a monthly contributor to the Quarterly Report podcast. Y'all know what time it is. Every time my cousin is on, he gets to do what I'm sure all of you all do Several times a week when you listen to the show, call me crazy. The one and the only Sadiq Abdul, cuz, thanks for joining me on our 100th episode of the Quarterly Report. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, Quarterly fans. How y'all doing? All right. So, you know, it's our 100th episode. So, most of y'all, y'all know the rules by now. But if this is, by chance, your first time listening, I'll explain really briefly, okay? I go through three topics, giving my takes and my opinions on the said topics. And my cousin, Sadiq. Gets the opportunity to let me and the world know if I'm crazy for the takes that I have. Really simple. Then, you know, we go back and forth. Boom, boom, yada, yada. All right? So, Deke, first topic this week, man. It's been an amazing season in the NBA. And I think that is best highlighted by the amazing MVP race. I think that this is one of the best MVP kind of races that we've had in quite a while. I mean, like. Not just a handful of years, but 10 plus years. I, I, I really can't think of a more competitive race in recent years than what we've seen between Giannis and James Harden. It can go either way. I really think it is a coin flip. Like, yeah, James Harden can win this MVP and I wouldn't be upset and, you know, obviously reverse for Giannis. But as it stands right now, regular season is over. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is the deserving most valuable player of this NBA season. Am I crazy? No, nah, you're not you're not crazy on this one. Right now I can you say flip a coin, I'm the same way right now. Whatever whatever the argument is, whatever part of the country you live in, if you're on the West Coast and you're just saying, hey, I'm a West Coast guy, I feel like Gian, I mean Harden has it. And then we on the East and you're saying, man, we seen Giannis four times a season or three times a season versus our team. And then number one, either way you can you can literally go either way. You can't go wrong right here. This is it's the closest race I've seen in a long time. Other than stuff, I mean, you got to think. Houston actually plays, uh, I'm about to say Jeff Green. I'm thinking of Wizards. But, you know, they played the Green, the boy Green. They just got him last year right off the street. And he gets and he gets, and he he gets, gets quality minutes. So, yes, Houston has literally nobody. I mean, let's be real, man. Tucker plays defense, but Tucker is trash in my opinion. <laughs> you know, so 
I mean, one, I can't root for him just because his spending habits. Like, I ain't going to lie to you. The fact that he spends spends all those thousands on shoes actually irks me. So I actually want him to miss. Every time I see him shoot, I just I just be like, I don't want him to miss everything. I don't, he irks me. But anyway, like you said, Houston doesn't have anybody other than those three guys, you know, the three max guys or whatever, you know, including Capella. Man, they, they are really a terrible roster. Like, I mean, that's why I say you can you can kind of pull the way. And the thing is, I have argued my friends all the time with is, okay, Giannis does everything. You know, he's a walking type of triple double. The wall, he could he could eat on a good day if he if he ate a right meal, he might have ten blocks if he's feeling that type of way. You know what I mean? He can give you everything. And they were just like, and they was just like all yeah. But they was, and their argument is all Harden does is score. But at the end of the day, you get assists to get points. You get rebounds to throw out and get it to somebody to get points. Points is still what wins the game. You know what I mean? So if Harden is the best at getting points to win games, I mean, you still got to, you know, you got to, you got to credit that, you know, what it is for what it is. And it's, it's, this is a hard, this is a hard race. But for me personally, the game that we watched last night and when they went head to head, maybe like two weeks ago, Harden shot bad and lost in Milwaukee. And then Giannis had a pretty good night. He almost had a triple double. I want to say he came like two or three assists short of the triple double, you know? Um, and then last night, Harden really choked away the fourth uh, fourth quarter, in my opinion. Those are the games, and then that would have went like they'd have won that game. They would have they would have propelled. Yeah, they could have had the, the two seed. Yeah, exactly, and that's crucial because okay, normally, well, I would say Harden is so good it doesn't matter if you're the two or three seed because they can get a win on the road. But I feel like Denver is the type of place with that altitude and stuff. It's a different type of home court that Denver has that versus other teams have. So therefore, if you have, don't have to go there four times versus three times, and if you you know if you have a home court and you win a few, you might only got to play there two games. You see what I'm saying? I'm leaning towards Giannis, but you can go either way for real. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my cousin Sadiq Abdul, promoter, sports analyst, and monthly contributor to the Quarterly Report podcast. Bill Simmons has his cousin Sal. Damn it, I got my cousin Deep. You know what I'm saying? But we're gonna keep on moving. I'm not crazy for my MVP take, so let's see what you think about my Rookie of the Year take again. Just so many amazing races, amazing uh, players, amazing kind of just uh, performances on a nightly basis. This season has been one of the better seasons in recent history. And the rookie of the year, I'm, I'm so happy. I remember once the season started, man, Trey Young was getting buried. And it would have been easy for him to kind of succumb to all the pressure and the comparisons. And I really think it speaks volumes about not only him as a player, but him as a man. That he took all of that, man. He didn't play well at the beginning of the year. And Luca just, you know, he played phenomenally well. And then he had all the hype, the internet hype, NBA, Twitter. Everything was just fueling him. And it could have been enough to crumble a, a lesser man, a lesser player. And I'm so happy, so proud of Trey Young that he fought through it. And I really think that we've got two tremendous NBA players who just started it's it's great for the league it's great for the future of the league and great for the Mavericks and the Atlanta Hawks that being said man Trey Young after his rough start for the first two months or whatever he came out played phenomenally well then after the all-star break man he, he took his game to a whole nother level but I don't think it's enough to usurp what Luka Doncic did from day one this season he he came in the league phenomenal put that they, they put that entire team on his back they traded all their good players for Chris Stops and two awful contracts and it didn't matter he Luca has been marquee superstar and has exceeded 
expectations from the jump all the way to the end of the season. And for that, I think Luka Doncic in a competitive race, but still I have Luka winning rookie of the year. Am I crazy? Yes. It's Trey. Ice traded gang. I'm trying to tell you. That boy is definitely, in my opinion, he's rookie of the year. He's he's had to sort of overcome more because, you know, how many years did he do in college, if I'm not mistaken? Did he do two or one? Just one year. He was a freshman. Okay. Okay, there you go. He only did one year of college, and then he goes right to the grown man like we spoke of. And then he's also, like, you know, we talked offline beforehand before we did this. He's also a smaller guy, so that he has to learn the game. He has to learn the like the pointers of floaters, like shooting shooting floaters and shooting threes in college over a, a center that's six nine in college versus these centers now that are more athletic and bigger. You know that could change your shot to change your shot. Think about the guy like the guy plays with Brooklyn with the Bush. He's blocking everybody's shot. So now you're going against him. You got to shoot floaters anyway. It took Trey maybe twenty five to thirty games to figure it out. Versus Luca coming straight in, who's also bigger. He's six eight, six nine. You know, it's a, so it's a different game. So my thing is figuring, watch, watching Trey figure it out at six one and murdering the way he's killing. Though, I, I'm sorry, I think he's the rookie of the year. I don't, I'm sorry, Luca. Not saying Luca fell off and or oh, he hit a wall, but the way Luca bust on the scene versus the way he's kind of ending, he's you know he's kind of dragging out. You're not hearing the same type of noise from Luka that you were hearing. Other than he did have a nice triple-double against Golden State uh, a couple weeks back. But Trey is, man, Trey is on something different right now. He's in game winners like almost every night I turn on highlights. Trey hitting like, some type of flow to game winner, and he's, hitting, he's shooting it from the logo. Like His confidence is sky high right now. And, and I, it is beautiful for basketball, especially basketball fans and everything, that for those two to be traded for each other. You know, and to see both of them shine, so therefore neither team kind of can feel like, oh, we we lost out on this trade or anything like that. It's, it's a beautiful thing. But I, I, in my opinion, I like Trey. Look, I'm not mad at Trey at all, but all the points, like all the excuses, I wouldn't say excuses, but all the points that you had for Trey, right? He's a smaller guy. He only played one year. None of that is Luca's fault. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not Luca's fault that he's 6'9 and he's bigger. You know, it's not his fault that yes. he was playing professionally since he was a teenager, essentially, right? All of these things, they're not reasons not to vote Luka. When, it, when it's all said and done, from game one of the season to game 82, Luka was playing at a higher level for more consistently, right? For more consistent spread of time. You could argue that Trey's peak was greater than yeah. Luka's, and I'm not necessarily agreeing with that, right? Because Luka is a better defender and a lot of that is because of his size but again not his fault like Luca can bring the ball up the floor Luca can hit the step back jump shot he can hit the game winners and they won 30 some odd games in the western conference once they took all the good players off his team right so yes I I think Trey Young is a phenomenal player and I think that seven eight years down the road we could be looking at two MVP type players yeah. between Trey and and Luca, I don't think yeah, that I is outlandish that. in the slightest. But if we're just talking about this season, 2018, 2019 season, 82 games, to me, Luca has it. And while Trey made it close, I don't. There's just really no argument yeah. that I can see. I agree with that. And then he did it. And but my thing is, he did it from day one because of. I'm sorry, but I feel like you got to take that to account somehow, though. Just just a little bit. You know, he's rookie of the year and all, but he's been also been a professional for so long. So let's say let's say he came into the NBA. Even he came in fairly young right now. He's still only 19 or whatever he is. But let's say he decided to come as like Ginobili or one of those guys. Say he came at 30 years old 
And he's a technically an NBA rookie at 30, but he was professional overseas and killing for all the way to 30 years old. But yet he's going against a 19-year-old Trey. That's how you got to look at it. It's like he's been professional for a while. So, yes, he's, he's a rookie NBA, but he's not a professional rookie. Versus Trey is definitely a professional rookie. Yeah, I agree with I agree with Steven Jackson though with that what he said like I'm this might be the one year you can give co co MVP and co rookie to on both sides. It's this might be the one year. It's hard to make like you said before. You said make a decision. You know what I'm saying? Real men make a decision at some point, but this is a little different. You know what I mean? This the one time that you might just give it to both. Just go ahead and be like, look, we you know. uh, I, look. I can rock with it. Look. I think the MVP race is closer than the rookie of the year race, but if they wanted to say we're going to have co-rookie of the years, I'm not even going to be mad, right? Because I think Luka deserves it, but Trey yeah. has played so well that second half of the season. If they yeah, wanted to do co-rookie of the years, I wouldn't be upset. But Slim, if they try yeah. to do co-MVPs, nah, buddy, I'm not rocking. There's no way. Don't even try to make, don't even try to do co-MVPs this year. Look, and I feel bad for James because I feel like James Harden has won, 100. has come runner-up like two different times, not even including this year. And some of those races where he was the second guy, where he finished second when he was the runner-up, you can make a legit case this year included that he should have won. So that sucks for Harden that he's going to be the bridesmaid three years more than likely in, in years that he would have easily won the MVP had he been playing five years ago, right? But nah, I can rock with a co-rookie of the year. Precedent has already been set. If they try to do some co-MVP joint, though, nah, we got to burn the whole damn thing down. <laughs> Once again, guys, I'm joined by my cousin, Sadiq Abdul, promoter and monthly contributor to the Quarterly Report podcast. Again, every time he's on the show, he gets the opportunity to let me know if I'm crazy with some of my mini sports takes. So, Looks like I'm one for one, but not really too crazy with the rookie of the year because I guess we kind of both agree it's a great competitive competitive race in a, a budding rivalry. But this time, last topic, oh yeah, we're going to disagree. Everybody was going nuts when Paul Pierce said that he had a better career than Dwayne Wade. And though I respect Paul Pierce with the utmost, he has buried my favorite team time and time again. I reveled. I enjoyed thoroughly seeing the entire NBA community tear him up online. I think it's not even, I shouldn't say that. I think it's obvious that Dwayne Wade had the better career. Am I crazy? Yes, you're very crazy. And everybody that's jumping on the bad way, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's the hot topic or the, or the in the now. Basically, it's in the now, so everybody sees it. See, the thing is with Paul, he played too long, so therefore the end of his career, people kind of sort of forgot about him. They remember him more so as, a, as the end of his Brooklyn years or, the, or him sitting on the bench as a clipper. So that's why, like, when Draymond was like, oh, you think you're not Kobe, you didn't get no farewell tour, it's because he played too long. He loved the game too long, but he's a competitor. He took the bait, like you said. Any true dog competitor is going to put themselves up there. Even Kobe the other day said he was better than Jordan, and, and, and we know good and well Kobe's not better than Jordan, but any dog competitor, the alpha male, the alpha male is it's, it's going to be hard for them to give props to their peer, though. Like, see, if you'd have asked Paul Pierce, um, Paul Pierce or Magic Johnson or Paul Pierce, somebody in his realm that's, that was not the same era as him, he might have... Yeah, not a rival, but he's not going to give Wade that, and I don't blame it. And I, but but let's be real. If we were on the street playing pickup ball, all these people, we talk all this stuff in L.A., you know, and it's like, say, Venice or something like that, and y'all there about the pickup ball, you're going to pick the 6'8 guy that can shoot versus a 6'4 guy that cannot shoot. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me away. Wade became a better shooter, 
But you're going to take the – and Paul was a dog, man. People people need to – everybody's forgetting about what Paul – who he was. He First off, he was the truth. That's In my opinion, that and, and Allen Iverson is the answer were the, were the best nicknames ever. You know, as simple as that. Man, that man the truth. That man the truth. Like, that's that alone – you know resonates well like man paul pierce people sleeping on what he used to do and if you if, if you're somebody that's saying that he's not up there with wade because wade has the farewell tour right now and then you, you see wade in every avenue of online and everything he's in your face so much right now and that's all, all you're thinking is wade go back and look at some of paul pierce youtube highlights and you'll see who paul pierce was at 23 years old at 24 we had fresh legs he will bang on anybody he's crossing over anybody he's hitting game winning shots like they were nothing Paul Paul had actually no problems in his game. And you said, okay, Wade was a better passer. Wade and a, defense. Yeah, defense and better passer, but that's not his job as a three. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of the same thing I was talking about speaking of, like when we were speaking of Melo. Like, you know, like Melo as a three and stuff like that. Melo, like Paul Pierce's job is to score and rebound because he was a forward. That's it. His job is not to his job is not to facilitate. How you gonna get assists when you're playing with Rondo at the end of your career? You know, the end of your career. How you gonna get assists playing with Rondo or playing with matter of fact, Tuan Walker was the assist man when he was in his younger days. Tuan was the point forward. Okay, boom. I'm glad you brought that up. Booby trap, right? So mm-hmm. you said, yo, he's not asked to do it. And you brought up Melo. You know what I'm saying? In terms of passing and defense. And you're right. Paul Pierce and Carmelo Anthony were not asked to do defense and to pass the ball. But that's the reason why guys like LeBron are better than Carmelo. Carmelo could shoot better, had a better jumper than LeBron easily, right? But LeBron was able to do defense, and he was able to pass, and he was able to score, and he was able to rebound. He was able to do all of it, and that's what makes him better. Same thing applies with Wade. Paul Pierce wasn't asked to play defense. You didn't have to ask Dwayne Wade to play defense because he could. You didn't have to ask Paul Pierce to, to pass, the, or Paul Pierce couldn't pass the ball, right? You just said it. He, he wouldn't have to. He wasn't asked to do that. You didn't have to ask Dwayne Wade to do it because he was. He was able to, and he was able to do it at a high level. That's what makes him better. You know what I'm saying? You talk about Paul Pierce playing with Antoine Walker at the early mm-hmm. part of his career who had the ball in his hand and then playing with Ray John Rondo at the end of his career who had the ball in his hand. You say that like Dwayne Wade didn't play with Lamar Odom in the beginning of his career and then play with LeBron James toward the end mm-hmm. of his career, right? Like Lamar Odom is a better passer, better playmaker than Antoine Walker, and LeBron, obviously, is the better playmaker passer than Rondo. Dog, no matter how you want to cut it, and again, I'm not knocking Paul Pierce. People got carried away bashing Paul Pierce. But even yeah, in your defense, even in your defense, you're making it clear as day. Dwayne Wade had the better career. Dwayne Wade was the better player. Yeah, he's, a, he's one of the greatest shot blocking. He's one of the greatest shot blocking guards ever, if not the greatest shot block. But, yes, he, I'm going to tell you another reason why he had to – Wade had to play defense because he had probably been a liability if he's not playing defense. A 6'3", 6'4", combo type of guard, if he doesn't play defense without that lack of shot, he wouldn't have been as great as he was. So he had to do that. Whereas Paul, I mean, Paul don't have to do that. Like, it's just, Paul can go give you 30. He was a truth. He can go give you 30 easily. And it looks like he's sleep out there. You never even look like he was sweating sometimes. Slim, you say that like Paul Pierce ever averaged 30 yeah. points in the season. He never did. Dwayne Wade did. Dwayne Wade actually led this league in scoring one year. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, Paul could score, but Wade could score better. I mean, all things, all things, Wade, all right, so the, the, the initial question was who had the better career? 
And of course, Wade Wade had the better career, but he was also privileged and, and handed a few things that Paul Pierce was not handed. You know, first off, just like I said, he had Pat Riley with him, and that and that automatically is a better GM and a better like president of the team and everything versus what Paul had. You're right there. All right, Paul Pierce was drafted into a worse situation than what Dwayne Wade was drafted into. And that does matter, right? But, like, we could do that all day. Like, Kobe was drafted into a better situation than Paul Pierce as well. I don't think you would say that Paul Pierce is better than Kobe Bryant. You know what I'm saying? All of that matters. It was kind of like we were talking about with the rookie of the year. Luka's been playing as a professional longer, and he's bigger. That's not... Luca's fault and it's not Wade's fault right sometimes you get dealt the hand that you've been played you know what I'm saying and Paul Pierce people got carried away people were acting like Paul Pierce wasn't nice and you were right you said it perfectly it, a lot of that comes from what Draymond said people only remember unfortunately the end of Paul Pierce's career people weren't really following the Celtics or watching them like that when Paul was really getting in his bag so I have the utmost respect for Paul Pierce but he ain't better than the way Wade. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my cousin Sadiq Abdul playing the, the game we play each month. He gets to tell me if I'm crazy or not with my sports take. So, you know, we say I was crazy twice, but in reality, I was perfectly sane. However, I was wrong earlier this year, and I am here to pay my debt. Sadiq, I will give you the floor to gloat. All right. First off, I want you to apologize. Say, I am sorry. <laughs> Say, I am sorry for doubting you. I want to hear it. Like, oh, the World Wide Web. Oh, everybody going to hear this. <laughs> Hell no. Look, but I ain't, ain't going to do you like that. I ain't going to do you like that, Luca. But I'm going to tell you. For we also made a family bet. You know what I'm saying? We got to talk about it on the air. We got, we got something. But anyway, I told you. Barring injury, Greg Popovich is an all-star himself. I was saying that they are a big three. So basically, I was saying you give them two all-stars along with him. And barring any type of crazy injuries to those type of people. And they lost, uh, they actually lost their point guard early in the year. The young boy that was pretty good. All I was saying is, yeah, no, that's his name. All I was saying is, they were going to make the playoffs. I didn't say there was going to be anything high or anything like that. And that's most of these segments. I mean, honestly, if you, in hindsight, all, all the quarterly fans, go back and see some of these segments that we have been on crazy and all that. I promise you probably about 75% of the time, I'm the one that's right. Hell no. Yeah. Right no, we're going to go back and check some of these stuff, but I promise you. All right. I mean, this is what it is. This is what it is. You ain't on no so, I mean, This is the proof Stop in the pudding. It. This is the proof right here. I mean, I can't believe you literally. They done made the playoffs like 23 or 24 straight years or something crazy. And I can't believe you really. I mean, this great Popovich, man. How do, who, who doubts this man? How do you doubt the greatest coach? See, I originally started this to be humble, right? I was going to be like, dog, you want it. Bong, doesn't matter. But now you want to act like this. We acting right now as if LeBron James didn't miss a third of the season. You feel me? Right? I, I know San Antonio ended up winning, being the seventh seed, but they had the same record as the Clippers. Okay? If LeBron is healthy, the Spurs don't win. The Spurs do not get in the playoffs. And everybody knows this, bro. So it's funny how he was like barring injury to anybody in San Antonio, but not barring injury to players on a, the, one of the best players on the team that we both thought were going to make the playoffs. So, again, whatever. I let you have it. But you wilder right now. The truth lies in the context, brother. And that's what you're trying to hide from the people. The context. All right, here we go. If, ifs could have. I mean, you know, look. Out of 82 games, out of 82 games on every 30 teams, on all 30 teams, somebody's going to get injured. Something's going to happen. I, my thing is, I said, long as San Antonio does not get injured, they were going to make it. 
But look, even if LeBron makes it, I promise you San Antonio finds a way to make it. I know they're in the eighth right now, but I would have said if LeBron makes it, the Clippers fall off. I would have said that. Maybe the Clippers don't make it because, I mean, the Clippers weren't even trying to make it. See, San Antonio was trying to make it. Clippers just happened to fall into it because they traded away Tobias. and See, they but were... this is what I'm saying, though. You can't come at me crazy for saying you can't ever go against the greatest coach of all time, yet turn around and then go against the greatest front office executive of all time. Everywhere Jerry oh, West Jerry, goes. Okay, okay. I, I, I was waiting on you to say Doc. I was about to rip you if you said Doc, because Doc is a terrible coach for they real. They win, and they win instantly. Okay, the that, Warriors yeah, won Jerry West. I agree with that. That Jerry man West is amazing. The whole grit and grind Grizzlies, that happens once Jerry West gets there. We know what he did with the uh, the Lakers. Dog. And so, nah, Jerry West, rooting. I'd rather root against or pick against Greg Popovich yeah. than pick against the damn logo. Once again, guys, it's been my cousin, my blood, Sadiq Abdul, helping me on the 100th episode of the Quarterly Report podcast, letting me know that I was crazy and celebrating his victory with the San Antonio Spurs getting to the playoffs. Deke, you already know what time it is, man. Thank you so much for rocking with me this week, a special week for the show. And, man, I appreciate you. Man, I appreciate you for having me on always, man. These segments are fun. And I appreciate all the fans, everybody that's listening. Thank you for rocking with us for 100 episodes. That's strong, man. That's, you know, it's some, we got some loyal ones out there that do it, and, and we appreciate everything. Seriously. Yo, man, I love having my cousin on the show, man. It's really my favorite segment of all that we do here, man. So shout out to my cousin, man. I love him to death, and I know you guys love him as well, man. I get all the positive feedback from that one segment. So thank you to Deke for rocking with me on this 100th episode, and thank you all for listening as well. Y'all know what time it is. One quarter left. So, without further ado, let's get to our final topic this week. Fourth quarter. Slim, you ever sit back and just kind of observe, just not your specific or personal surroundings, but just observe what's going on around you, like, on a macro level? When you think about it in terms of the history of human civilization, we've got it so good. Dog... You don't have to leave the house to buy groceries. You don't have to stand on a corner and try to hail down a cab. You just call a car to pick you up. We got young babies out here nowadays who got no game. You could go onto an app and get somebody to hook up with. Everything literally is at the touch of a finger, like literally. And we have we now exist in a in a in a day and age where if something isn't met perfectly, right? If there's any type of conflict, if there's any type of struggle, we have now been kind of trained to always seek out the most convenient path, right? I forget who it was. It's a it's an old quote, man. The name escapes me, but it's like so many people miss their opportunity because opportunity when it arrives is dressed up in overalls looking like hard work right and i'm paraphrasing that but the idea is so many people are afraid of hard work or so many people are afraid of just a little bit of uncomfortable or a little bit of difficulty that we miss out on the ultimate goal now we could go like large scale on this topic but i'm not going to this is a sports show it's a hundred episode. I'm not trying to dive in too deep, but this past Monday and last weekend, it really resonated to me as a sports fan because I saw so many people complain about instant replay, instant replay. Y'all know I'm talking about the college, 
basketball tournament, right? The national championship game and the final four game with Virginia playing in both. Virginia, they they had a lead, then they were down. It was against Auburn, I believe. And, you know, Auburn fouls a shooter with a second left. And everybody loses their mind saying, oh, you can't call, you can't call a foul there. And, and they were mad because they missed the double dribble call, which I don't know how they missed it. I'm watching the game on television. I'm a dog. He could have he could have kept on dribbling. He could have picked the dribble up with, or kept on dribbling with one hand. He picked the ball up with two hands and kept his dribble. I'm like, what, what are you doing? And people were mad because the refs didn't go back to replay to, to overturn that call. Even though in the same play, the player was trying to foul Jerome. I think that's his last name. I don't know. I don't watch college basketball like that. <laughs> Right? But then Babbins got mad when Guy takes the three-point shot with the second left and gets fouled, and the referee standing right there makes the correct call. Dog, he got fouled. I don't even know how this is an argument. And the only argument that I heard was, oh, you can't call that foul right there. You can't make that call right there. Hello? Do y'all not remember the NFC Championship game? This is what I don't understand. You got to pick. The one thing that I can't stand, and, and, and y'all saw it firsthand from me, right? Second quarter this week, I was consistent. I like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is my favorite NFL player. But the way I view, the way I view how the NFL should conduct themselves is simple. Don't pay quarterbacks crazy amounts of money. They're not worth that much more than other players. That's something that I've been preaching now for years. If I was inconsistent, I would then pick and choose when I would want my principles to apply, right? I believe that teams should be more frugal when it comes to the quarterback position because they're in reality, quarterbacks don't win like much. Unless you're Tom Brady, quarterbacks ain't winning like that. That's how I feel. I could pick and choose and be like, well, you know, I like Russell Wilson, so we'll make the exception for him. But that's lame, Joe, and that's what Bama's were doing this weekend. With instant replay or with having making the right calls, even though if it's late in the game, because back in February or January, we were all up in arms. The ref should have called pass interference. Who cares that it was at the end of the game? It's the same theory, the same principle. The refs would have had to make a, a, a game changing call. Right. They call pass interference on that play, which it was pass interference. The Rams don't win. Simple as that. If the referee does not call the correct call in the UVA uh, Auburn game, UVA does not win. But it was the correct call. You can't have it both ways. You just can't. And then on Monday, week Monday people were losing their minds because replay took a little bit too long to get the call right. I don't know how old everyone is who was complaining. I don't know how old everyone is who's listening to this podcast, but I'm 36. So if you're even anywhere close to my age, you remember the NFL did away with instant replay because of that very problem. They thought it was, was going to slow the game down. If you are worried about time, then just do away with it. That's This is where I'm at now. Either have instant replay or don't. I don't want to keep tiptoeing on this topic. 
If you don't like that instant replay takes too long, if you don't like that you can't replay every single play, or you think that the rules or the refs and all this other silly stuff, man, if you don't like instant replay, bong, take it away and shut up. You feel me? And if you do like instant replay, shut up too. Because sometimes things are going to take long. If you want it to be perfect, right, then you would, I would think that you would be okay waiting four minutes for perfection. If, if, if four minutes, five minutes is too long for perfection, then, then get away, then do away with it. There were legit people upset. And y'all remember it was down, it was, it was either at the end of the regulation or in overtime. I forget which one, I'm sorry. Texas Tech player or UVA is on a fast break. Texas Tech player taps the ball out. Initially, it, they ruled it off of Virginia, but they slow-mo replayed and they saw the very fingertip of the Texas Tech player tap the ball last. And people were upset that they got the call right. I mean, if you're going to be mad, why, why have instant replay then? I mean, I like Nick Wright. And he was on some tangent talking about every other player on the blacktop that's not called a UVA ball. And I'm thinking, if you've ever played basketball, whoever touches the ball last, right? It's out on them. That's basic basketball. And if you want a blacktop, then obviously there's no replay, but Bama's will be, will, will go, will argue, be ready to scrap, depending on how intense the game is or about who got, who touched the ball last. So I don't even understand how Bama's were on some, nobody makes that call on a blacktop. That's not the call. Yes, it is. And if you complain once about instant replay, then just do away with it. Right? If you're fine with human error, then don't then keep that same energy when it happens to your favorite team. And I think a lot of this stems from people just don't like Virginia. And look, I'm biased. I never went to Charlottesville. I know a few friends of mine, a few uh, family friends, a few colleagues who did, but I don't care about the Cavaliers. I don't care about Charlottesville campus. I care about the Commonwealth. I like that they got Virginia on the front of their jerseys. So you can say I'm biased about that. But I would be doing this if it was Maryland, if it was Oregon, Georgetown, Texas Tech, Auburn, doesn't matter. I just don't like how people will, will feel a certain way, but then conveniently change all of the rules when it best suits them. We'll never accomplish anything if we're going to cherry pick, right? If you truly feel something, if you truly feel a certain way, even when it's applied to you personally, your beliefs, if you are rooted in them, should still remain pure. We all have bias. I get it. We all have bias. And if I was an, uh, you know, Texas Tech fan, I'd be, I'd be mad. I'd be more upset that they couldn't close the deal. Like, they didn't lose because of that one call. If I was an Auburn fan, I'd be upset. But I'd also be like, why are you closing out so hard? But if you don't like that instant replay takes a little bit too long, if you don't like that instant replay can be used for the 700 zoom in replay slow-mo version, if you don't like any of those things, then don't. Just throw your hands up and be like, get replay out. Go back to how the NFL had it during the mid-90s, okay? Because 
I didn't mind. I didn't mind it. When the NFL didn't have instant replay, I was fine. I still watched it. And we would all be fine if instant replay left college basketball. We'd be fine if instant replay left NFL football, the NBA. I mean, with the exception of tennis, all sports would be fine. They would keep on going. But if you do want instant replay because you want the calls to be made correctly, then you should not then be willing to do a 180 because it takes a few extra minutes. That's not, you're watching the overtime game, okay? What's a few extra minutes for a replay going to really affect your viewing? That's nuts. So pick a side, man. My cousin and I talked about it with the MVP. It's going to be tough. Pick a side. Don't straddle the fence. Make a decision. Because if you don't want instant replay, cool. Start, start the petition. I don't know if it's going to ever go away again. But there are a lot of people who seemingly have a problem with it. But don't have a problem with it when it's convenient to you. Either you're in or you're out, man. Choose a side. Draw the line in the sand and stop complaining one way or the other. If you dislike instant replay, bong, cool. But when your team gets cheated out of a possession or a shot or possibly a championship, your ass better stay silent. Don't come crawling back for you wish that they could have got it right with instant replay. You feel me? Because you end up looking lame. I want to thank each and every one of you guys for 100 episodes, bro. I've enjoyed all, every second, every minute, every segment of these 100 episodes. And hopefully there's 100, 200, 300 more to go. I want to thank my cousin Sadiq Abdul for joining me this month. I want to thank each and every one of you listeners, whether this is the 100th episode you've heard or just the first. I appreciate each and every one of you guys. If you don't mind, head on over to Apple Podcasts iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the Quarterly Report Podcast. Leave me five stars. If you would, please write a review. Let me, let your friends, let the world know why you like the Quarterly Report Podcast and why everyone should download and subscribe. Again, I want to thank my cousin and every one of the listeners. I truly appreciate you guys. It's been over two years, man. It means the world to me, and I'll keep on going as long as y'all want to listen. The numbers continue to grow, and I love you guys so much for that. I'll see you guys back next week for another episode of the Quarterly Report. Enjoy the first weekend of the NBA playoffs.